Luke 16 says, And he said also to his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. The same was accused unto him that he'd wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give account of the stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. The steward said within himself, What will I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship I cannot dig to beg. I'm ashamed. I'm resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly and write fifty. Then said he to another, How much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Now we pause there and say, How is it wise for him not to charge fully what these people owe? And the answer to that question can be a puzzle. There are several answers to the question. One, it may be that the steward cut the interest rates. Two, it may be that the steward said, better to get $80 out of the 100 than to get none. And whatever the solution may be, we know this, that the one who was the owner commended this man who had been an unjust steward. The Lord commended him, verse 8, because he had done wisely. And now the Lord gives the application of the parable of the unjust steward when he says the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The counsel of the Lord begins in verse 9. I say to you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. He's talking about money. The mammon of unrighteousness is the money that God gives to us. And Jesus' counsel to us in verse 9 is to make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail... Now, what does it mean for us to fail? It means when you die. And I know that because as you continue in verse 9, it says, they, these friends that you've made of the mammon of unrighteousness, may receive you into everlasting habitations. He's giving a picture of the blessing of being financial stewards, as Jeff reminded us, of giving financially uh, to missionary endeavors. By giving... We make to ourselves friends. Through the manna of unrighteousness, through our financial contributions, we make to ourselves friends who one day, according to the authority of Jesus Christ, these will receive us into everlasting habitations. He that's faithful in that which is least, says the Savior, is faithful in much. He that's unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches. What are the true riches? Well, the unrighteous mammon, these are artificial riches. They, that still can be used for eternal investment so that we'll have those who will greet us when we enter our everlasting habitations. So if the mammon of unrighteousness, not really true riches, what is the true riches? Well, that's spiritual reward. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. And so the Lord says, if you can't be faithful with the little bit of unrighteous mammon that passes through your fingers, who will give to you true riches? 
When you wonder why you're not growing spiritually, when you wonder why the blessings of God don't seem to be your portion, the answer may be found in this passage. If we're not faithful in that which is least, our finances, how can we receive that which is much? Eternal rewards. So the Lord makes it very practical here. If you've not been faithful, verse 12, in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And don't forget, no servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. On the back of the bulletin every week, we make missionary giving at Colonial very visible and very practical. You'll see a faith promise statement on the back of the bulletin, and you'll see how drastically we exceed the faith promise commitment week by week, and we're thankful for that. But we ought to have a balanced understanding of what this passage is about. I read this passage, and I get excited about missionary giving because there are going to be those that I'll meet in heavenly places and those that you'll meet in heavenly places, some of whom we've described this evening, souls that are coming to Christ around the world. But there are some who, sadly, get things out of line. They make such a priority of missionary giving that they fail in their responsibility of local church giving. That almost seems impossible, but it's true. There are some who make such a priority of missions giving, perhaps because they're motivated by passages like this. Perhaps they just get motivated by the, the mystery of missionary giving. I don't know. But Colonial Hills Baptist Church, on an annual basis, gives about 25% of all that comes in to missionary giving, about half a million dollars. It's awesome. It's awesome. Don't forget, that should be above and beyond what you give in local church tithing. 1 Corinthians 16 says, upon the first day of the week, let every man lay by as God has prospered him. The Lord's day by Lord's day, we ought to be setting account, Lord, how have you prospered me and how have you given? The Apostle Paul, after all, says to the Corinthians that there be no gathering when I come. Turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Missionary giving thrills the heart, and what a blessing tonight to give a report of multiplied, perhaps even millions, that have been impacted by Colonial's missionary giving over the years. But there ought to be an understanding with that, that that's something we participate in collectively. And so I want to focus on that as we look at 1 Corinthians 16. Concerning the collection, the Apostle Paul says in verse 1, for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever you will approve by your letters. Now, the word ye there is plural. He's talking to the whole church in Corinth. Whom you will approve by your letters, let, or them will I send to bring your liberality or your offering to Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. So here's the instruction to the local church, 1 Corinthians 16. Bring your tithes on the first day of the week. Don't stop there. But also, get involved in approving someone, verse 3, that will bring that offering, he says, to Jerusalem, which was the place of need where the offering was going, and give letters. So why did Michael O'Neill go this time to India, and why did he go last time? Because he's our treasurer. Annually, he's approved by the vote of the congregation to represent us 
in all things financial. So when we go to India and we recognize that for all these years, Colonial has contributed to this particular ministry, Michael goes to do some measure of assessment of that investment. In fact, he reviews the financial statements of the Baptist Bible College and Seminary that are there as he should. He's been approved, after all, by the congregation here at Colonial to go and do such a work, and Jeff, when he goes, is doing similarly, as you often hear us say with the recommendation, as we did this evening, of our deacons. We'd like to recommend that this money go in this direction. Well, for the deacons to make a good recommendation, they better be informed, and to be informed, allowing the uh, chief financial officer of the church and one of the deacons who has good capacity in the matter of business to go and make an assessment of what's happening there, has biblical warrant behind it. In fact, if you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we'll see how this works out. Remembering that 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, now, that one that you approve by your letters, in other words, you as a congregation have given him the authority to carry this offering to Jerusalem. And the Corinthians responded and they took their offerings and they chose someone, and they gave letters of authority this, to this one to carry the offering. And we know that because here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we read about that person. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 16, Thanks be to God, the Apostle Paul writes, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you, for indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. We sent him with the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, And not that only, but who also was chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and the declaration of your ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us, providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men." The Apostle Paul had recommended in 1 Corinthians 16 that someone represent the church and have a letter of authority as he carried their liberality, in other words, their offering, to Jerusalem. So the church took the offering, voted for someone to be the financial officer to travel with the offering, wrote a letter showing that this man had that responsibility. And now in 2 Corinthians 8, the Apostle Paul's talking about that person. As he talks about that person, he says, He was, in verse 19, chosen of the churches to travel with us. See that word chosen? You might want to circle it. It means they elected him. The churches elected this man to be the financial officer to travel with Paul to bring the offering, here called the liberality, and distribute it to the church in Jerusalem. Why did Paul go to the extent of having someone travel with him carrying the offering, having a letter of recommendation from the church, someone with experience, someone who could serve in this capacity. Verse 20, Paul says, I was avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. Paul was helping in the administration of a great amount of money. And he wanted, verse 21, to provide things honest in the sight of the Lord and also in the sight of men. When we invest in giving, we make to ourselves friends in eternity. What a thrilling thing. And my heart was touched with that while traveling again to India and seeing many men that I've known for almost 30 years and seeing them faithful. And thinking about 
the day that we gather together in heaven and see these that have been impacted by missionary investment. What a thrill that's going to be. But along the way, in order to do things decently and in order, mission trips like we just took are necessary. Why? Because the asset base at Berean Baptist Bible College and Seminary is not what it was 55 years ago. And there's an ongoing responsibility that we have as a congregation to be able to assure that those gifts that are not only given by us but other churches are stewarded carefully. And so it's necessary that there be trips such as this. But there's also the necessary understanding for this congregation. And that's why I went here this evening. Don't bypass your giving to the church to give to missions. You start with your giving to the church. Because it's while you give at the church where you have the responsibility, the accountability to select that minister who goes and investigates what's happening in missionary giving. To bypass your giving to the church in order to make eternal friends is to bypass that accountability. Now, there are some who will say, well, I give individually to missionaries. I find great joy in that. I give individually to missionaries as well, but I do it on occasion, not in an ongoing fashion. Well, pastor, you ought to try it on an ongoing fashion. No, I prefer to give to the, through the church on an ongoing fashion. I prefer to give through the church so that the church, in collective wisdom together, can decide who ought to oversee that and then oversee it and make sure it's overseen. Because I don't want to be in the situation where I find out something about a missionary that I'm supporting on a monthly basis and I say I'm disturbed by that and I personally think I need to make a decision not to support that missionary anymore. I prefer that that decision be made with the wisdom and the counsel of the whole congregation. So when it comes to congregational giving, congregational giving has built into it not only the protection of finding that overseer of the funding, according to 1 Corinthians 16, locally, knowing that person, trusting that person, putting authority into that person, but also internationally. That person traveled with Paul. That person distributed the funding, but that person was accountable to a local church. You see how it works out then? When we come together on the Lord's Day and we give, did you know that $11,000 a month from our general fund giving always goes to missions? So every month as we give, $11,000 is going to missions. Above and beyond that, those who say, I want to invest more in missions, praise the Lord. We do far more than the $11,000 a month. But always with the responsibility and the accountability of being able to say, even as Jeff said this evening, we thank the Lord for men like Michael O'Neill and men like Jeff Lefew and others who put their heads to the task of understanding where are these funds being spent and are these missionaries remaining faithful Are they doctrinally where we are? Are they accountable to the local church? For in Acts chapter 13, the missionaries were sent out from the local church. In Acts chapter 15, they came back and gave a report to the local church. This is the place of accountability for missions. And so when we take a trip like we took, my heart gets moved to see people that I know and love. But my conscience is also moved to know that when it comes to Brian Baptist Baba College, around the globe, there have been people that have invested their trust in Colonial Hills Baptist Church to put that trust into the ministry in India. And that's a trust that we want to take seriously, and we want to do that according to God's Word because we know that it matches the principles and the procedures that are found here in God's Word for us to consider. Father, we thank you for a missionary report this evening, for the privilege of participating together 
and the grace of giving. And Lord, we pray that as a church family together, you'd give to us great wisdom when we take on and support a missionary, great wisdom to also make those missionaries accountable, not only for the doctrines that we collectively agree upon, but also for the funds that they receive, that we might serve you wisely and know your blessings in this place. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.